When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me from ESPN is Kevin Seifert. What's going on, Kevin? How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. You are one of the few people in the world, there's probably a dozen of us, who understand what it is like to be taking a nap on the couch and wake up and look at the internet and see that the Vikings have broken news on a day off. So we're recording this on a day off and I'm hoping that we could just uh, carry that on. I I know that this is not a thing that is new for Minnesota Vikings beat reporters. No. And I actually, when you say falling, falling asleep on the couch and waking up to finding news, it reminds me, this must've been like in the early two thousands when the Vikings were, were for sale um, I literally had, they had their bye week coming up and I, we finally got to Friday cause they, in those days they practiced during the week, during the bye. got to Friday. I just kind of came home, uh, from their morning practice, just collapsed on the couch, turned the phone off, turned the TV off, turned everything off. And when I woke up like an hour and a half later, it was only like an hour and a half later, there was a report that the Vikings had been sold. And, uh, this was on the Friday before the bye week And if you're ever going to have a quiet weekend, that would be the start of it. And as it turned out, that report was premature, but, uh, it didn't mean that we weren't working all weekend. So nobody has any sympathy for us on that. Uh, but it is very quirky, uh, how those things tend to come up when you earn it apparent, uh, uh, quiet time. And, uh, and this weekend being an apparent quiet time, everybody should be, uh, have their antennas up and be ready for something. Yeah, I mean, you expect news to hit during the middle of the season, but in my first time here, uh, the day I moved here, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. I was unpacking the U-Haul as Teddy Bridgewater got hurt and (laughs) affected his career forever. Uh, Then, uh, I mean, I remember even just waking up to Norv Turner has quit. You know, I mean, there's just... It, it always kind of goes that way. The reporters before I got here talk about the Adrian Peterson news with his kid where it was like uh, a Friday, everybody's ready to go home from the media room and then some report comes out. So that right. is uh, that is always how it goes. Now, I wanted to ask you, based on your previous Vikings coverage experience, um, I've felt from covering training camps that you get a vibe that you can't pick the W's and L's necessarily based on what you saw in training camp and preseason, but you come out of that with a general feeling. Did you ever find predictive power in what you saw in preseason and in training camp to what was going to happen in the regular season? Um, I don't know if I realized it at the time. Like I, you know, and this is true of all predictions. When you get to the other side of it, then you could look back and say, oh, you could see that coming. Now that I think about it, you think about this moment in training camp, you think about this happening, this guy being upset, this guy uh, looking better than anybody thought they he ever would. Um, and you can sort of connect the dots. Um, I, 
I would, you know, usually come out of training camp and everybody's asking me, what do you think? What do you think? And I would have an answer, but I don't know if I was right any more times than I was wrong on that. Uh, there were years when I thought they had made big mistakes by how they uh, deployed people in the preseason. And then you get to the regular season and, and it didn't matter and vice versa. So uh, the longer I have, I have covered the NFL, the less confident I feel in my predictions and what my gut instinct tells me. Um, but that could also just be me uh, losing my, uh, losing my touch with the league, who knows, but, but I, but I think like, it's almost like the longer you go, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And I agree with that. I, I think that what you can take in is maybe the things that could be problematic and it's much harder to right. say the the things that will be good, right? Like, for example, I mean, in 2015, I know people thought that Stefan Diggs was an emerging player in training camp at preseason, but I don't think that they would have thought, oh, this guy's going to be your top receiver by like week five, right? I mean, so all those things tend to happen that surprise you throughout a season where somebody steps up or some, but I think that when you can clearly see on a daily basis, something doesn't work. Um, I'll take this for last year for training camp. I mean, they were playing Jaleel Johnson as a starting defensive tackle and Shamar Stefan was like, that's not, nope. Yeah. Sorry. That's, yeah. that's just not, that's not going to stop anybody. Sorry guys. Yeah. Um, so for this year, I'm thinking about like, okay, well the Irv Smith injury is pretty obvious, but even, and, and we'll get more into this, but even just the general tension surrounding the head coach and the quarterback like this, this has potential to be problematic. And in 2018, when it was tension between Mike Zimmer and John D. Filippo slash Kirk Cousins, it clearly showed throughout the length of the season that it had the potential to go um, into a bad place. And I feel like that's exactly how I'm feeling coming out of this. Like they've got the talent. Uh, injuries are always going to be a thing that we talk about, you know, being concerned. But that part, the quarterback and head coach not being on the same page that's a hard one for me to just say no big deal right and because it's got multiple levels there's there's the personal level of mike zimmer making clear he wants to see everybody get vaccinated um just for the sake of getting vaccinated and protecting your health but also the you know this the, the very obvious feeling that he's expressed that people who aren't getting vaccinated players who aren't getting vaccinated are potentially hurting the team and so like even if if mike zimmer was the biggest anti-vaxxer out there and i don't think he is but even if he were he would want people to get vaccinated simply to to you know reduce the chance that they would be unavailable and if the starting quarterback is unavailable that's a really big deal and when the starting quarterback has made that decision it could potentially and this has you know been the case i think in some other teams as well it can sort of be a permission structure for other you know relatively established players to do the same thing and then then you're talking about um, because I think this is a bigger story than just the quarterback head coach because the quarterback is getting all the heat for not getting vaccinated, but he's not the only unvaccinated, prominent unvaccinated player on the team. And we all know that. And you can see by who's wearing masks on the sidelines and who isn't um, and who has been uh, required to do the five day uh, waiting period and who hasn't. And so that um, that's a, you know, you talk about a vibe coming out of training camp set aside whatever personally might be going on or not be going on between players and coach, just the fact that, that there are so many relatively speaking, so many prominent players on the team who are one exposure away 
from either missing a week of practice or missing a game and practice on either side of that or both. Um, that is a, a really concerning thing to have happen uh, come out of camp and heading into the regular season. So I know that your approach uh, has always been like, you're not a hot take guy. I, I can be, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I get fired up sometimes, but you, you, you try to like cover the whole broad spectrum of things, but I have a question for you about this okay. um, because this is something that I've struggled with, with the unvaccinated players is, is it fair to criticize them for being unvaccinated? Because the way that I look at it is, um, Yes, I understand that a lot of people in America are making their own choices about their body and health. I get that whole part of it. Uh, but 93% of the league is vaccinated. And if somebody misses a game, they're hurting their football team. And I am a football reporter. So from football perspective, you made a choice that caused you to miss a game, potentially, right? If that happens. And I think that it does become fair then, because all the people who paid for tickets to show up at U.S. Bank Stadium to see you play and see you win a football game, uh, you made a choice that caused you not to be on the field. But this is very tricky, though, I think. It's very it's very dangerous waters to wade into um, with how much this subject, I guess, gets people going. Yeah, and but there's also the, the idea that you made a choice for yourself, but it's not just a choice for yourself. You made, if you're unvaccinated, uh, by all accounts, I don't think this is disputed, medical information that you're more likely to transmit the virus if you get it. And we all know that even if you're vaccinated, you can acquire the, the virus and be positive and even have symptoms, uh, hopefully not too severe because you were vaccinated. And you're much more likely to get that based on all the data that has come out from a, uh, an unvaccinated person. So if you're an NFL player, or if you're anybody, but in this context, if you're an NFL player and you chose that what was best for you was not to get vaccinated, then you also chose that, you know, to, to raise the risks for the people who th think otherwise. And that's the part that like, I, you know, it, it you know, it, we, 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 as football reporters, we're put in a, a you know, in a, in a spot where we're commenting on things that aren't our expertise and aren't the way that um, the reason why we're in these jobs, but if, if we even just keeping it in the football context, um, it's a, they've objectively made things harder for other people, not just themselves and riskier for other people, not just themselves. And so that's the part that I think um, can be criticized because uh, that, that, you know, it's, it's almost, there's almost a disconnect where everyone might, you know, my choice, my body, it's not, it's, I mean, it is your choice, but it's not just your body. And so like, that's the part that um, has really, I think been, the inflection point around the league and not just in the NFL and other sports as well, that, um, you know, people, people's true colors are being shown, you know, what, what, what are they, you know, everyone says they're committed to a team concept. Everyone accepts that the team is, is, you know, greater than any individual piece, but when push comes to shove, there's some instances where people are saying that that risk that I'm, um, that I'm ascribing to others now, and raising for others is is not something I, I care about. Right. And when Mike Zimmer 
more or less said Kirk Cousins is not being a leader by not getting vaccinated. And your point holds true that there are, I mean, a lot of people whose careers are at stake with the quarterback and not necessarily with a wide receiver or running back, you know, just in terms of like what matters the most in football. Um, Like, of course, if Delvin Cook were to miss a game, that would be a big deal, but it's not the same as missing your quarterback and having to play Sean Mannion. Um, So, uh, you know, but I, I was sort of like, Am I comfortable with that? Right. Am I comfortable with saying like someone's not a leader because they chose not to do this? Um, and with Cousins, leadership and him have never really been synonymous anyway. Uh, but then Josh McCown said that in an interview with the Pioneer Press where he mm-hmm. said, look, you're not really being a leader if you're not making sure that you're available. And so I think that I am comfortable saying it. And again, I, I want to pull back to the like, this is football. OK, so we're having to look at everything through the football context. And if you're potentially putting yourself at risk of not being there and potentially causing people to lose their jobs, then I think it's fair to criticize you. But this is a lot harder, Kevin, than deciding whether it's hard to criticize an interception or something. You know what I mean? It's a, it's been yeah. very dicey. Yeah. And if, and and, I, and I'll just go back to if it were solely a decision that affects that individual, then I think it would be a lot hard. Like like. I would I would be personally having the same kind of moral uh, dilemma that you're having. But because that decision isn't a decision just for that person, it's a decision for all the people that that person is around uh, more directly than a lot of people like to admit. Then I then that's what gives me I don't want to say comfort, but that's what gives me um, the justification to say that that they've made a choice that puts other people at risk. And that's to me not. Uh, certainly not one that should just be let go and, and explained away as, as, you know, everybody has the decision, you know, can make their decision for themselves uh, that the people who didn't get vaccinated in an NFL locker room made decisions for other people too. And those people that those decisions were made for don't have a say in the matter. And that's what's really um, at the crux of it to me. And I guess, you know, I've gotten some messages, I'm sure that everybody has of like, hey, you're being too judgmental about this or that. And I I guess I just want everyone to know, like, we think hard about these things and how we approach them. I don't just turn on the mic and start yelling about whatever. Like this has been this, this this approach has been thought through of how do I cover this because it's completely uncharted um, territory. So I appreciate your uh, your thoughts on that. It makes me feel a little better, Kevin. I appreciate it. Glad to have gotten to that point. Now, let me ask you about the other part of this, though, that the cause of this is not just that we're aware that at any moment Kirk Cousins could have close contact or get COVID and be out. Uh, And that's something that's going to have, I think, every fan on pins and needles. When you buy your tickets to go to the game, you're like, well, I hope that he's, you know, doing what he's supposed to do or or just having good luck, really, too, Um, because we found that, um, you know, it can just be completely random as well. But the other part is the Zimmer and Cousins relationship. Already, uh, I don't think there was much of one. Um, but then this, it put a lot of sort of all of that into the public of how Mike Zimmer feels about his quarterback. And I guess I, I wonder what you thought of that because we haven't talked really since that happened and what it might mean. Like, because Zimmer's a defensive coach, does it mean nothing or does it mean that? 
you know, after games now we're going to see the gloves come off for Mike Zimmer. And, and what could that mean? I, I mean, I, I think that um, this one is hard to figure out too. Like how much that will matter that Zimmer and cousins are not on the same page here. Yeah. I, I, I mean, part of me wants to think that like, they probably have never been best buddies. Like we all know who Zimmer's guy is. And that was Teddy is Teddy will be Teddy uh, Bridgewater forever you know probably and and we all knowing teddy just a little bit i think we all know why like any coach would love having teddy bridgewater play for him um and especially the things that that those guys went through together in terms of the injury and 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 everything else um and you know what it makes you 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 know i know the everson griffin tweets have kind of come into into new light this summer you know him saying like ask ask Zimmer if he really wanted cousins you know I don't have any great insight into how that all happened it, I, I find it hard to believe that that in the end the Vikings imposed a quarterback on Mike Zimmer that he didn't want maybe it wasn't his first choice he wasn't we know he isn't Teddy but um, I, I I just have a hard time thinking that like this you know that this was just you know foisted upon him and that he had no role at all in Kirk Cousins coming here um, but and and I don't and I don't think that you have to have a great personal relationship. Like I don't know that you know, especially towards the end. Like what was Tom Brady's relationship with Bill Belichick? You know, were they having you know beers together? I don't I don't think so. And and I don't think that the head coach and the quarterback need to do that. But the head coach has to be convinced, and Bill Belichick certainly was convinced of this with Brady and vice versa, that that the quarterback is willing to do whatever it takes to win. You know. And in this case, uh, he hasn't, um, you know, there's, it's a, it's a slippery slope in terms of asking someone to, to take a shot that would, you know, to prove your willingness to, to help the team win. But the decision that was made makes it harder for this team to win, you know, just, that's just the way it is. And so um, I, I think that this team can succeed with the relationship the way it is. But if you want to talk about what is it going to mean for next year, you know, if there's a next year with this group, um, then that to me is a very relevant conversation. But I think that they can, um, especially with, you know, the the head coach uh, focusing more on defense than offense, I think they can have a successful season this way. I don't think that they, I have no knowledge that their relationship is deteriorated to the point where they can't even be in the same room together. They can't talk to each other the night before the night that, before cousins came back, they apparently had a long conversation that at least got them to the point where they can function on a daily basis. So it's not, it's not what you would prefer, but I don't think it's prohibitive to them having a good year. And I think they've mostly always been sleeping in different rooms here. Um, Kirk uh, in his first year, I think got kind of the, well, it was DeFilippo's fault, a lot of this. And, and that might've brought, I don't know, Zimmer and Kirk together a little bit on that issue. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure of that, but uh, at least there was the, it's not your fault. It's the offensive coordinator type of thing. Yeah. But, and, and then the next year he wins a playoff game. And so that kind of clears things out. But last year there was little, little peeps from Zimmer about like, well, you know, Kirk does tend to lock on to his first read and that's how that interception happened and, you know, things like that. Um, and I think that, this year where it could go sideways is if something goes wrong and they lose a game, they're not supposed to lose. Let's even say week one against Cincinnati. Can Zimmer keep it shut? 
Like probably yeah. not, right? Yeah. Probably not. He just he hasn't at any point during this preseason. And from that perspective, well, we've all been critical about of Kirk Cousins for sure. Uh, but from that perspective, I feel like it is unfair what Mike Zimmer does to his quarterbacks. And I don't know that there's any other coach who does this that will so often come out and say, "Yeah, Case gets overexcited. That's why he threw that interception." Case yeah. Keenum, you know, go. He, I mean, you know, go, just goes off uh, and, and does crazy things or whatever he said to us, you know, has a, uh, gosh, I should have this on the tip of my tongue. What was it? A lucky charm around his neck or something, yeah. you know, like things like that, um, that I know that cousins didn't like that Zimmer did that to Keenum. And I think Mike has tried to not do that post game to cousins. I just wonder if that eventually starts to be like, well, look, I'm not even sure if you're here next year or me. So I'm just yeah. going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah. And the quarterbacks and kickers, I think they, they both get the same treatment. And, but, <laughs> but honestly, like that's Zimmer like that, like I, somebody sent me a clip and I was looking at it from when he was on hard knocks and like from with the Bengals um, that year. And, and like, that's who he's always been, you know, like he probably didn't get interviewed as much uh, in those days. Um, and so there wasn't an opportunity for him to call people out. But like, I, I just think that he like, you know, that like whatever he is, is what he's going to stay. And, and so it'll, even if he's holding back, it'll be obvious that he's holding back and it, like the point will be made regardless. And, and it's not a terrible, like I, it, to me, it's bad. It's bad news when a, a coach who's like 99% of the time, you know, milk toast and, uh, just you know, giving neutral answers and never criticizing anybody suddenly like just jumps on a guy. Um, you know, to me, like that's where, that's when it tends to hurt. And maybe those coaches view it as a strategic. Um, but, you know, the real thing that, that bugs people is when um, coaches say things in public that they're not saying in private. And yeah. I don't have any evidence that Zimmer isn't also saying these things in private as well. And so that's the other part. It's like, maybe it's embarrassing and, and, you know, it hurts the family, especially because they get exposed to something to, to that negativity. But, um, you know, that that's, you know, there's by all evidence, Zimmer has been more than willing to say those things to people privately too. And, and so if we hear it publicly, we know that it's, it's not coming as a surprise and that's giving us a glimpse into what's happening behind the scenes, if nothing else. Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. 
we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The one thing that has changed, and that Hard Knocks, by the way, is a different universe from the present Hard Knocks. Yeah, um, yeah. The Cincinnati. I went back and watched that one, I think, last summer. And so good, the Cincinnati one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, especially Zimmer's famous uh, sideline is probably what it's really like on game day with the sideline yeah. of of Mike Zimmer for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the pressure on him? Uh, you've covered many a coach. Uh, I just, because when, when it feels like there's a pivot point for a franchise, uh, I covered one of these in Buffalo with Rex Ryan, where it was like, if this doesn't go well, the, the, you know, it's not going to be good for Rex. Right. And Rex Ryan changed in his demeanor. And I think you saw it kind of, um, hurt their locker room and so forth as the pressure ramped up on him. Now, Mike, I think always thinks he's getting fired. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure that, that he changes, but I, I go back and forth all the time about Zimmer and job status and so forth, because uh, we were talking the other day about like, could he be last man standing with this, with the general yeah. manager, with the quarterback, you know, and all, all that sort of thing. But it seems like we have reached this sort of end game for this year and I, I wonder how you sort of view that. Yeah, like, I mean, you can, you can see, like, if you would just hold them to standard NFL structure that, you know, that given the amount of time these guys have been here and the amount of, of length and they've gotten and the, the money they've gotten for players and that sort of thing, you would think that a, this needs to be a really good season. Um, you know, the, the Wilfs, there's not, even though they've been owners here for a while, there's not a ton of history um, to go back on in terms of how they make these decisions. Um, they fired Tice basically, you know, like every owner would have because they had just taken over and, um, you know, they were going to, they wanted to get their own guy in there. Uh, the Childress fire firing came when like there was literally no other option because the entire locker room had, had collapsed, um, Childress was lying, was, was, was lying in public and not being forthcoming to them in private. And it was just untenable. And so like, no one was surprised when that happened. And they were actually were surprised that it took that long. And then Leslie Frazier, they kind of gently nudged out the door, you know, as a gentleman and um, totally, totally was the time to do it. And so I, 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 I don't, all that's to say is that I don't think they're like, quick trigger owners and they there's nothing in the history to say that but there's also not a lot of uh um, dot connecting to do that would tell give us an idea of when they'll have an, when they will have had enough um and who's in their ears telling them it's time to have enough because that's changed over time too um but if you hold them to the standards that probably most nfl organizations operate you would say this is obviously a make or break year um i just the, the wild card is how the Wolves feel about it, how they feel personally about him and, and Rick Spielman and the rest of the crew there. And, um, and if the people who are in their ears, because even though I think they are pretty involved, they're not here every day, certainly on the, not involved in the football operations every day. Um, we don't know what they'll hear from other people as well. And so their tendency I think is to sit tight, but eventually they'll reach a point um, where that won't be an option anymore. And we'll see how long it takes them to get there. 
Yeah, if, if they hadn't gotten close in 2019 to making big changes, I probably wouldn't talk about it as much, but they did. So mm-hmm. after coming off of a season where you go seven and nine and miss the playoffs, uh, I think that it is all ramped up. And like you said uh, earlier, the decision to sign Kirk uh, on that day, they said this is a unanimous decision. So you don't get to go back and say, oh, well, oh it was my quarterback. Sorry, man. Yeah. You guys yeah. not only signed him once, but you signed him twice. And Mike yeah. Zimmer, is, he's calling the shots on everybody else on the roster. You can't separate yourself from that. So really, I've al- I guess I've always kind of thought um, you have to lean into Cousins if you're Zimmer and you have to support him strongly and you have to get him more receivers and more well, – they've tried with the lineman thing, but still like – you let your left tackle go and so forth. Like you have to just do everything you can and they really have it. And so I kind of have thought like this arranged marriage, uh, even if, you know, Zimmer was hesitant about paying cousins that much, you kind of got to own it because in some ways you not ever accepting it has been part of the reason why it hasn't fully worked. And nothing's going to change in the amount of time you have left to quote unquote, save your job, prove yourself, whatever that's going to be any better than that. They're not going to get another quarterback that's that's better than than Kirk Cousins, certainly for this year, unless Kellen Mond somehow turns out to be that guy. And there's no indication that he's remotely close at this point to being uh, somebody you could you could say that about. And so, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, you hate to say make the best of the situation, but that's 90% of what the NFL is. Nobody has the guy they want at every position, and and not many coaches have the quarterback that they would dream of at that position um, either. And the, the way uh, maybe it's different for Tampa because they had kind of a dream team last year, but in most years, the way you win is you have a couple key players that you're all in on and, and you make it work with everybody else. And that's the the nature of the NFL. Um, Your scheme, you've, you've come up with a scheme that's perfectly matched the players that you do have. And you're you spend much more time working on that than belaboring and bemoaning the fact that you don't have the kind of players that you need, the type of players that you need to run the things that you think you need to do in order to win. It's so interesting to me to think about the sort of psyche of Mike Zimmer and how he struggles to let things go. He's still giving us a hard time about Daniil Hunter's tweak because he said it was a tweak and then we made fun of him. And then he's, you know, it's sort of become like a joke now, but you can still see that he's annoyed that we made fun of him so much for it. But uh, I think of the same way with things with cousins where he just has trouble letting it go. And there's like another universe where Zimmer um, sort of fully backs his quarterback and just says, you know, he's our guy and everything else, but we've just, that's just never been the case because Mike is going to be Mike. Right. Um, Let me ask you something before we wrap up here, Kevin, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Two things. Do you think the Minnesota Vikings will be good? And what are you excited about? Like, who are you excited about? Not on the Vikings, but I mean, in, in the NFL, like what can't you wait to see as we are very, very close now to starting the NFL season? Um, you know, in the context of the NFC North, I think the Vikings have a chance to be good. You know, they're not as good as the Packers. I think they should be better. Everybody should be better than the Lions and the Bears. I don't have a lot of faith in. So uh, you always have to start there because those are the teams you play most, you know, more games against than anybody else. So they, I, you know, especially in a, um, in an expanded playoff situation, which we found out last year, um, how that works. Uh, they, I think they have, they should be in definitely in the mix to, to, to be a playoff team. And so that, 
that to me that I still think that's good, even though there's more playoff teams than, than there used to be. So that's, that's kind of how I, you know, despite all the vibes we talked about, despite all that, um, it always has to be in context of all the other teams. And every, every team has a, have reporters right now having podcast conversations like this, where they're having similar discussions about things, all the things that could potentially trip them up. And so no team um, is immune from that. And, and in the context of it, I think the Vikings are in, are in decent shape. Um, what I'm excited to see is, I guess the first you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is how um, some of these uh, these quarterback situations are going to work out. Um, is Mac Jones really, you know, good, or is was he just better? Is he closer to what the Patriots want than than Cam Newton is? Um, I still I, I still can't believe that that's going to be as seamless as everyone has already anointed it to be, but I could be wrong. You know, I, I guess I just have not seen it with Mac Jones and, and I'll be interested to see if that really happens. I want to see it. I want to see what's going on in Miami because they definitely have had discussions about Deshaun Watson and whether it was serious or they didn't shut it down. So you drafted a guy number five overall the year before in Tua. uh, And then you're, you, you, don't you you randomly insert him in the lineup last year when when starter was doing great and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then you start benching him at certain times and when things are at the most hardest at their most difficult is when you're bringing a backup in to replace him and so and then this and then that's his rookie year and then his his sophomore year his second year you're t- already talking about potentially trading so I, I want to know what's going on there and see if Tua is going to be an all time flop or if somehow that this was just them doing their due diligence the past two years and just treating the quarterback differently. Um, San Francisco, I want to see like, are they, are you really going to play two quarterbacks or is this just a way to, to ease uh, Trey Lance in and and ease Jimmy Garoppolo out? Um, So those are the, you know, everybody wants to watch the quarterbacks, but these backstories in so many of the towns, you know, and then how can we forget Aaron Rodgers? Is this going to be his last year? And, and, is his desire to be more involved in personnel and, and roster decisions going to be um, going to be answered or is he going to feel shut out again and want to, and want to leave? Or is he just on such a different existential plane right now that, that none of no material thing is going to be, is going to determine whether he returns or not, but it'll be something else. And so those are the things that I'm interested to watch. Um, you know, last year, this time I was mostly interested to to know if they were going to actually have a season. Um, you know, I think COVID is going to be more of a, of a theme than we thought it would be for this year, but having seen what they were, they managed to do last year, we know there's a way to do it, even if it means meeting virtually and practicing in parking lots and all that kind of stuff. So those are things that come to mind for this year. And, uh, and I'm sure more things will pop up that we couldn't even imagine right now. Yeah, that's a great list. Uh, anytime you have to check with the FBI before you trade for a player, maybe just yeah. maybe just yeah. probably hard Good pass on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I'm aside from Viking stuff, just most interested in teams that we've already decided are going to be good because there's always one or two that just aren't. And I, I've sort of circled the Rams as the one that everyone okay. is crowning that I think will actually be not good uh, or not that good, like a you know lower seed. Uh, and Buffalo, I think they have huge pressure because once you sign Josh Allen to the contract, we know that even for great quarterbacks, it gets harder. And 
Did he have a Carson Wentz one-year wonder season, or is he really that good? Um, that I think, you know, we have anointed uh, other young quarterbacks as, oh, mm. this guy's like a top five quarterback. You'd take Carson Wentz over anybody else after that near MVP season. And then now he plays for the Colts. So right. Right. Um, I'm very, very interested to see how that plays out. Well, Kevin, you do tremendous work. Uh, and you are an absolute must follow for, I mean, for everybody like all Vikings fans and, and in the NFL, but like, especially for reporters who need to know what the hell any of this is <laughs> like that, that is your beat. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the non-football football writer. <laughs> right. Like what is going on here with yeah. rosters and COVID and everything else? Well, I'm sure you've got something on it. So, uh, appreciate your time. Glad to catch up with you and, uh, we'll do it again, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me.